0: Thank you for the applause. So you have (coughs) some more minutes to uh, use this afternoon, but the good news is that I had some water to drink before coming up here. So see how long it all takes. Try to be brief. Today, as has been mentioned, as we all know, uh, the seventh day of the Feast of Unleavened Bread marks the end of the days of eating unleavened bread. But we've only just begun. This is the title of the sermon today. And uh, some of you may remember the title uh, from the opening words of a song by uh, Karen and Richard Carpenter back in the 1970s. And um, we've only just begun. And some of the words were like sharing horizons that are new to us, watching the signs along the way. It's a very beautiful song. <clears throat> you know, a lot of these songs have uh, what they call a hook, something that uh, goes on in your mind over and over that you uh, get from the from the song, like the. Uh, Uh, the solo by uh, Lily that the words were trust in the Lord and wait patiently for him trust and to be patient which for me sometimes is a very hard thing to do but we've only just begun in Philippians chapter 1 and verse 6 it says that being confident of this very thing that he which has begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. So God has called you to his son that through him we may find salvation that is ahead on the horizon. That horizon that we see in our minds and in the distance as signs along the way kind of take place and giving us the hope that sooner or later we still wait patiently for The return of Jesus Christ to this earth. Seven we know is the number of completion. So what did we learn in keeping this feast? What teachings do we take with us as we walk this temporary life? We've only just begun. Whether that was many years ago or maybe just recently. The first time my wife and I kept the Feast of Unleavened Bread was in Ada Oklahoma we were in college then and we uh, we commuted to Ada and that was where we first came uh, began to keep the uh, observance of the Feast of Unleavened Bread then when we moved out to the Panhandle of Oklahoma uh, we traveled 126 miles weekly each each uh, Sabbath uh, to observe uh, church services in Amarillo then we moved to big sandy and that is where we learned a lot more about the days of unleavened bread and it seems like time just flies by it, it just goes so fast and is, you know everything in the past becomes a blurb but when you try to look back you know you try to remember things but it just doesn't come clear to to us but what teachings do we take with us as we walk this temporary life what have we learned There are five things that I have listed that teaches us about what these days of unleavened bread have meant to us. One is that a little leaven leavens the whole lump. We also learn that Christ is our Passover. Who is sacrificed for us. And three that we are to purge out the old leaven that has been a hindrance to us. That we may be a new lump. And four, that we are to go on keeping the feast. And five, that without God, without Christ, we can do nothing. So with these things in mind, we will see how that we may be a new lump. And see what bearings these things have on our mind as we look to New Horizons. So the practice, uh, physical practice of eating unleavened bread for seven days will end at sunset. I for one look you know, forward to the uh, cheeseburger and uh, uh, things like that, maybe a donut or two. But these were no-nos, you just had to pass them up. But you thought about them along the way, you saw a Krispy Kreme donut and, and Whataburger and things of that sort. You know, and the habit of uh, eating those things. And so there are many who may wonder, oh, what uh, what does it all mean? What do these days of unleavened bread mean? And we've come across various lessons and things in our past history of the church. Uh, what this the, this week uh, has meant. But those who wonder, maybe it's from our relatives. Maybe it's from members in our own family and... Uh, co-workers and so on who say why do you keep these days what are what's it all about and it's not that we go around saying hey i'm keeping unleavened bread this week or show your uh, you know your box of matzos and things of that sort but some wonder well why don't you keep easter and and, and go search for easter eggs and Some may wonder, well, just what is a feast when we can't have sandwiches or hamburgers or hot dogs, pies, cakes, and cookies? I guess you can tell what I've been thinking about. These are thoughts that have crossed our mind a time or two this week. So the practice of eating unleavened bread may seem a little odd or strange to some people. But what is it all about? What things do we learn from it? For one thing, the uh, word peculiar may come to mind. In Exodus chapter 19, in verse 5, we read, Now therefore, if you will obey my voice indeed and keep my covenant, then you shall be a peculiar treasure unto me above all people, for all the earth is mine. You know peculiar means something separated. Something separated for special use. In Deuteronomy 14 verse 2. For you are a holy people. Unto the Lord your God. And the Lord has chosen you to be. A peculiar pe- people unto himself. Above all the nations that are upon the earth. Deuteronomy 26 verse 18. And the Lord has vouch thee. This day to be. His peculiar people. As he has promised you. And that you should keep all his commandments. Titus 2.14. Who gave himself for us. That he might redeem us. From all iniquity. As we heard in in the special music. And purify unto himself. a, A peculiar people. Zealous. Zealous of good works. Lastly in. 1 Peter, although there are probably other scriptures you can refer to in 1 Peter 2, 9, however. But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people. And this is what the word of God describes us as. That you should show forth the praises of him who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. So you're a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a particular or peculiar people. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 10. It says that we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works which God has before ordained that we should walk in them. And in Titus chapter 2 verses 12 through 15. Teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust. We should live soberly. Looking for that blessed hope. Verse 13. And the glorious appearing of the great God and our savior Jesus Christ. Right. uh, To to live righteously and godly in, in this world when we are living in the midst of a lot of corruption and things that are going wrong in our, in the world around us and Jesus who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from all iniquity and purify unto himself a peculiar people uh, zealous of good works looking for that blessed hope that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great god and our savior Jesus Christ Who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from all iniquity. And purify unto himself a uh, peculiar people once again. Zealous of good works. These things speak and exhort and rebuke with all authority. And let no man despise you. So we learned the meaning of the bread and the wine. And we did the foot washing. As Christ uh, bent down to wash the feet of his disciples. In order to show that we should serve one another. And that as a man laid out his life for his friends. This is what Jesus Christ had done for us. And we uh, celebrate this. We commemorate this time uh, once a year. But one of the first things we learned is that, as mentioned earlier, a little leaven leavens the whole lump. That's what Paul said in uh, verse 6 of 1 uh, Corinthians chapter 5 so we know that leaven is the same as yeast it's an agent that causes bread to rise and and, and puff up and and, and expand but figuratively speaking it represents sin on the other hand we see where leaven talks about the kingdom of God expanding but so the practice of eating unleavened bread has been a reminder that we are to Avoid sin. Cast it out when we when we see it. And to also look to Jesus Christ as our daily bread. Each time we look at look at that piece of unleavened bread that that we have eaten. You know, as we hold it in our hand and look at it, and then eat it. So it brings to mind what that leavened bread represents. But there are other comparisons that maybe you have made personally about the unleavened bread as you ate uh, that particular unleavened cracker. But in verse 6 of 1 Corinthians 5 he said that your glorying is not good. Know ye not that a little leaven leavens the whole lump. So here was a group of people a church at Corinth who was blind to the sins that was going on around them and just ignored it didn't do anything about it not realizing that a little leaven is going to uh, gradually infect the whole bunch now the second thing we learned is that too that our that Christ our Passover is sacrificed for us that's what he said in verse 7 of there in uh, first Corinthians now in first Corinthians chapter 6 verses 19 through 20 it says that the apostle said what know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost or the Holy Spirit as it should read which is in you so this Holy Spirit is in you which you have of God and you are not your own you're not your own you belong to God you belong to Jesus Christ and his his teaching." So the spirit that is in you is from God the Father. And that means you belong to him. Verse 20, for you are bought with a price. To each and every one of us, these words should ring true and uh, given consideration. That we are bought with a uh, a price. Therefore, glorify God in your uh, body and in your spirit, which are God's. So Jesus paid a huge price. We can go back to the scriptures. That describe how Christ suffered. For us. He left his glory in heaven. To risk everything. To lay down his life. So that we could have forgiveness. Forgiveness of sin. Along with the promise of everlasting life. He paid the ransom. That set us free. That set us free from the bondage of sin and the death penalty that hung over our head and then we were given the gift of the Holy Spirit through the uh, to lead us through each day of our of the years that we have in Acts chapter 2 we read where uh, it says "On the day of Pentecost when uh, the men that were there asked men and brethren what shall we do to save ourselves and Peter replied repent and be baptized every one of you and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit so there was this a point in time when we asked ourselves about that in attending church and as we learn things we began to ask well what must I do to uh Receive the Holy Spirit. In 1 Corinthians chapter 3. You know not only did Jesus. Pay the price for our individual sins. But he also gave his life for. The church that is you know the church. The collective body of believers. Who believe in God the Father. And are Christ's followers or or Christians. 1 Corinthians 3. Verse 9 beginning verse 9. To the church at Corinth. As well as us to uh, today. The apostle said. For we are laborers. Together with God. You are God's husbandry. You are God's building. According to the grace of God. Which is given unto me. As a wise master builder. I have laid. The foundation. And another builds. Thereon. But let every man take heed how he builds. Thereupon. So the Apostle Paul we know uh, established the Corinthian church for other foundation can no man lay than that is laid which is Jesus Christ so the Corinthian church through the Apostle Paul kind of like a contractor who builds houses was, was the one who built the church through the uh, gospel of Jesus Christ And there were those whose hearts were opened by the Spirit of God to take in all of those instructions and all of those commandments and all of the things that would make them special and set apart and separate from the rest of the world. But verse 12, he said, now if any man build upon this foundation, gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, stubble, every man's work shall be made manifest. So what we're building on is going to determine how we stand in a day to come. For the day shall declare it because it shall be revealed by fire. And the fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is. Fire represents, you know, judgment. Now if that builder has put in labor just for material reward, it will not pass the test in that day of fire. So we must be careful how we are building our lives. Fourteen, if any man's work abide which he has built thereupon, he shall receive a reward. If any man's work shall be burned, he shall suffer loss. But he himself shall be saved, yet so as by fire, by testing and things that will see on what foundation we have built our life. Know ye not, again, that you are the temple of God. Don't you know that you are the temple of God and that the spirit of God dwells in you. Speaking to them as a collective body, a collective church. But if any man defile the temple of God, him shall God destroy. You know, it's not up to us to destroy any person that strays. But. It is up to God's judgment. And his will to be done. For the temple of God is holy. Which temple you are. So sin must be cast out. Whenever. It's exposed. Whenever it's found. So there are certain moral standards. That must be upheld. First Corinthians. Back in chapter 5. Verses 1 through 5. We read where a man had to be this fellowship from the church everyone was talking about this great sin that this that this man was doing that was going on in the church it was something so evil that even the heathens didn't do it but the church was puffed up they were conceited so spiritual as that they uh, let the evil go by and he said to them Paul said to them well why aren't you mourning in sorrow and shame and seeing to it that this man is removed your from your membership so Paul had heard about this he heard about this terrible thing that was going on in the Corinthian church and he wrote a letter to them saying we they should be ashamed they should do something about it instead of turning a blind eye to it and ignoring it so it was a very serious matter And it was a very conspicuous sin that was going on. So as leaven puffs up. So does sin and corruption. It can spread and infect the entire church. If it's not cast out. As we read even you know a little leaven. Just a little bit can leaven the whole lump over time. So this man was doing evil. And was to be cast out for the destruction of of the flesh not that Paul was wanting this man to die or to be killed but that he would suffer whatever consequences his sin would bring on him and maybe he would have he would have enough of what he was doing see the bad side of it and the man would come to repentance and be saved Jesus said in the book of Matthew chapter 10 chapter 18 that is uh, we find where he said that he, the son of man, came to save sinners. So concerning the situation that we read about in 1 Corinthians chapter 5. Let's go to 2 Corinthians chapter 2 beginning verse 1. Paul said, "I, but I determined this with myself. That I would not come again to you in heaviness. For if I make you sorry who is he then that makes me glad but the same which is made sorry by me and I wrote this same unto you lest when I came I should have sorrow from them of whom I ought to rejoice having confidence in you all that my joy is the joy of you all for out of much affliction and anguish of heart I wrote unto you with many tears not that you should be grieved but that ye should know the love which I have more abundantly unto you. But if any have caused grief, he has not grieved me. But in part that I may not overcharge you all. So sufficient to such a man is this punishment which is inflicted of many. So that contrary wise, you ought rather to forgive him and comfort him. Lest perhaps such a one should be swallowed up with much uh, sorrow overmuch with sorrow, wherefore I beseech you that you would confirm uh, your love toward him. Sometimes you know a sin might be so hard to forgive, but we have we have to. For to this end also did I write that I might know the proof of you, whether you be obedient in all things. To whom you forgive anything, I forgive also. For if I forgive anything to whom I forgave it. For your sakes forgave I it in the person of Christ. Lest Satan should get an advantage of us. For we are not ignorant of his devices. So we know that verse 11. That Satan watches. You know as we've heard before like a lion he stalks the weak. And if he finds an advantage in which he can... uh, hurt people or individuals or even the church then he will cause it to happen so for Paul and the church to remove the leaven of sin from among them it was not an easy thing it caused grief it caused tears even as sometimes in our own life maybe our our family or people we know bring about grief or some sort of uh, do some sort of sin in our life that it really grieves our heart. So getting rid of leaven, dealing with it is not an easy thing to do. The third thing, personally we are we are to purge out the old leaven from our own lives. Again in First Corinthians five verses seven through eight, a little leaven leavens the whole lump. Whether it's in a body of believers or whether it is in our very own life. When we go to work or things we do at work or at school or whatever. That a little leaven, a little wrong can leaven the whole lump. It can change our hearts and our attitudes toward God. Verse 7, purge out therefore the old leaven that you may be a new lump as you are unleavened. For even Christ, our Passover, is sacrifice for us. We are leavened through the blood and through the sacrifice of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Therefore, let us keep the feast, not with old leaven, neither with the leaven of malice and wickedness, but with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. So we look at ourselves. Surely the world its certain that the world has sins that brings on problems in every corner of of our society, of our country, among us also. But it is how we are doing that matters. How is our life being patterned? Is it being patterned after the word of God? Or we just have to be careful not to condemn, however. Because the horizon shows that there will come a day when there will be judgment and when there will be a kingdom of righteousness. Romans 2, beginning verse 3. Think about this, O oh man. That judge them which do such things, and do, but do the same. That you shall escape the judgment of God. We might be quick to condemn everything that's going in the world. But do we do the same things in some way? But we know that God will punish anyone who does terrible things. Verse 4. Or despise you the riches of his goodness and forbearance and long-suffering, not knowing that the goodness of God leads you to repentance. But after the hardness and impenitent heart, treasure up unto yourself wrath against the day of wrath and revelation of the righteous judgment of God, who will render to every man according to his deeds. So to them verse 7. Who by patient continuance and well-doing. Seek for glory and honor. And immortality. Eternal life. That's you know that's like the reward. That uh, we have in our hearts and our minds. Looking for seeking for the glory and the honor. And immortality and eternal life. That's on the horizon. But unto them that are contentious. And do not obey the truth. But obey unrighteousness. What's coming? Indignation and wrath. Tribulation and anguish. Upon every soul of man that does evil. The Jew first. And also of the Gentile. But glory, honor, and peace. To every man that works good. To the Jew first. And also to the Gentile. For there is no respect of persons with God. God treats everyone the same. For as many as have sinned without law shall also perish without law. And as many as have sinned in the law shall be judged by the law. For not the hearers of the law are just before God. But the doers of the law shall be justified. For when Gentiles which have not the law do by nature the things contained in the law. These having not the law are a law unto themselves. Which show the work of the law written in their hearts. Their conscience also bearing witness. And their thoughts the mean while accusing or else excusing one another. The uh, living Bible. Translates this. In verses 12 through 15. It says it's translated there that he will punish sin wherever it is found. He will punish the heathen when they sin. Even though they never had God's written laws. For down in their hearts they know right from wrong. God's laws are written within them. Their own conscience accuses them. Or sometimes excuses them. And God will punish the Jews for sinning. Because they have his written laws. But don't obey them. They know what is right. But don't do it. After all salvation is not given to those. Who know what to do. Unless they do it, so we can, you know, look at ourselves in a way as as uh, Jews, but more so as Christians. And if we have these laws in our heart, and we do wrong if we don't obey them, they know what is right but don't do it. After all, salvation is not given to those who know what to do unless they do it. The day will surely come when, at God's command, Jesus Christ will judge the secret lives of everyone. Their innermost thoughts and motives. This is all part of God's great plan. Which I proclaim. In the day when God shall judge the secrets of men by Jesus Christ according to my gospel. Behold you are called a Jew. And rest in the law. And make your boast of God. Again uh, referring to the uh, living Bible verse 17 and through 20 you jews think all is well or you know we could be you christians think all is well are you self-righteous people think all is well between yourselves and god because he gave his laws to you you brag that you are his special friends yes you know what he wants You know right from wrong and favor the right because you've been taught his laws from earliest youth. You are so sure of the way to God that you could point it out to a blind man. You think of yourselves as beacon lights directing men who are lost in darkness to God. You think that you can guide the simple and teach even children the affairs of God. For you really know his laws which are full of all knowledge and truth. Verse 18. And know his will. So I just read that through verse 20. But let me pick up in verse uh, 21. You therefore which teach another. Teach you not yourself. You that preach a man should not steal. Do you steal. So this verse. Is one that. As people that. uh, As uh, ministers that come up here. uh, To the pulpit. To preach. uh, the right and wrong, that we have to be careful that what we preach, we also do, that we practice what we preach. But who's perfect? No one is really perfect, and that is why we need Jesus Christ, the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth, to forgive us. You that say a man should not commit adultery, do you commit adultery? You that abhor idols, do you commit sacrilege? You that make boast of the law through breaking the the law dishonors you God. For the name of God is blasphemed among the Gentiles through you. As it is written. As it is written. So as Christians we are to do what is right. And not take the Lord's name in vain as it says. So Jesus told his disciples also to beware of 11 of the scribes. And Pharisees, which is hypocrisy, he says, You uh, make clean the outside, they look good on the outside, but it's the inside that matters. That's the inside is what needs cleansing. So, talked they talked about circumcision, that that was the sign of, uh, of repentance, of, of the law of obeying the law of God. But God is not looking for those who uh, cut their bodies in actual. Uh, Body circumcision. But he is looking for those who have. Changed their hearts. And their minds. Whoever has that kind of change in his life. Will get. Praises. From God. So we learned that we are. The fourth fourth thing. That we are to keep the feast. Though the seven days of eating unleavened bread. Come to an end. Uh, the spirit of the feast should continue 1 Corinthians 5 eight, therefore it says let us keep the feast not with old leaven neither with the leaven of malice and wickedness but with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth doing it with a good understanding and doing it according to the truth so let us feast upon him and grow strong in the Christian life leaving entirely behind us that cancerous old life with all its hatred and wickedness and corruption and let us feast instead upon the pure bread of honor and sincerity and truth Romans chapter 8 it says in verse 1 that there is therefore now no condemnation ...to them which are in Christ Jesus... ...who walk not after the flesh... ...but after the Spirit. The law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus... ...has made us free... ...from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do... ...in that it was weak through the flesh... ...God sending His own Son... ...in the likeness of sinful flesh... ...and for sin... ...condemned it... ...condemned sin in in the flesh... Dropping down to verse 6. To be carnally minded. Is death. It means death. But to be spiritually minded. Is life and peace. The carnal mind is enmity against God. Not subject to the law of God. Neither indeed can be. So then they that are in the flesh. Cannot please God. The fifth. Thing. That we learn. A lesson from this. Days of Unleavened Bread. Is that without God we can do nothing. We know that Jesus like all of us. Had sorrows in life. And he learned from those things. That we all have troubles and trials in our life. Things don't go our way sometimes. We see sinful things. Things that happen. uh, Things that affect us all. But Jesus knew that he was facing certain death certain pain and death and he was tempted in every way as you and I so after the supper that night he was betrayed but with his disciples they came to a place which was named Gethsemane Mark chapter 14 Uh, let me back up to John chapter 15 verse 5 where Jesus made it known by saying I am the vine and you are the branches he that abides in me and lives him the same brings for much the same brings for much fruit for without me it says you can do nothing so we're on this joint venture with Jesus Christ the father in this journey of life looking to. Those, that new horizon. And we've only just begun. And they came to a place. Back in Mark chapter 14. On that night that he was betrayed. They came to a place which was named Gethsemane. And he said to his disciples. Sit you here while I shall pray. And he took with him Peter and James and John. And he began to be sore amazed. And to be very heavy. So he was greatly troubled, greatly, deeply distressed. And he said unto them, My soul is exceeding sorrowful unto death. Wait you here and watch. Sometimes during our troubles and our trials in life, that's what happens to us. We become overwhelmed by it sometimes. And what did Jesus do? He turned to prayer, just as we can do in our trouble. And distress life as things come our way. In that manner. <clears throat> Verse 35. And he went forward a little. And fell on the ground and prayed that. If it were possible. The hour might pass from him. And he said. Abba father. All things are possible. Unto you. Take away this cup from me. Nevertheless. Not what I will. But what you will. So he called upon the father. Just as we might call upon someone. Uh, in person that we know. Father or mother or friend. Or brother or sister. To. To reveal our. Troubles our trials. But in going to the. Abba. That means a father is a common term. That was used. of, of Fathers or dads. He recognized that all things are possible. With him. With uh, with all things are possible to to God. To the father. And that he asked and put forth his request. Take away this cup from me. Take away this trial or this this trouble that I have. That's been overwhelming me with distress. Then Nevertheless. Not what I will. But what you will. Sometimes it is hard to turn over everything to the will of God. Because there's a certain way that we want to see a prayer or a situation answered. But there was a purpose. We see in that Abba means Father. And it shows here a special relationship Jesus had with the Father in Heaven. Who could turn the tide away according to his his will but there was a purpose in why Jesus was to give his life the father saw it and it was for each of us who believe in him though many things may be against us verse 38 down to verse 38 Jesus said watch you and pray lest you enter into temptation the spirit is truly ready, but the flesh is weak. So we know that faith is there, the truth is there, the love is there, the strength is there, but sometimes we let our doubts and our fears and selfish desires overcome it, because the flesh is weak. We can search, we can cast out leaven, but the important thing is to search ourselves. Straighten our own lives out. Examine ourselves to see whether we be in the faith. And the word of God is the source that we look at. To make our examination. Hebrews chapter 12. Verse 11 through 15. No chastening for the present seems to be joyous but grievous. Nevertheless afterward it yields the peaceable fruit of righteousness unto them. Which are exercised thereby. So that horizon that we look forward to. We look that at some point there will come a peaceable fruit of righteousness. Very peaceable for having uh, put, put our faith in God. Like the song that we heard earlier. Trust in, in God. Have patience. Verse 12. Wherefore lift up the hands which hang down. And the feeble knees. And make straight paths for your feet. Lest that which is lame be turned out of the way. But let it rather be healed. We all have weaknesses. We all have faced temptations. We all have things that can bring us down if we let it. So we just have to make a straight path. A determined path. To go opposite those things that that are the downward pulls. Of, of human nature. Verse 14. Follow peace with all men and holiness. Without which no man shall see the Lord. Looking diligently lest any man fall. Of the grace of God. Lest any root of bitterness spring, springing up trouble you. And thereby many be defiled. So you see how bitterness. Like 11. Uh, just a little bit of bitterness. If it's allowed to fester, to grow, it will corrupt. Remember, you know, how the Apostle Paul had his struggles, but he looked to Christ. He said, the good that I want to do, I don't do it, I do not. And the bad that I should not do, I do it. Romans 7, verse 23. This is what Paul is telling us. I see another law in my members. Warring against the law of my mind. And bringing me into captivity. To the law of sin. Which is in my members. That's you know. The selfish nature in, in all of us. It's hard to resist. Sometimes. And so Paul said. Oh wretched man that I am. Who shall deliver me. From this body of death. I thank God. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. That's what he said. I thank God through Jesus Christ, our Lord, who shall deliver me from the body, this body of death, of this death. So then with the mind, I myself serve the law of God, but with the flesh, the law of sin. So the law of sin is, is like an active force, like an agent. It's like the leaven that, that corrupts if we don't cast it out of our minds at the very time that it comes into our hearts and our minds. And we have to guard our minds. With the words of Jesus Christ. So we overcome evil. It says overcome evil with good. Each time we are tempted to sin. Or do what we know is wrong. So we cast out our leavens from our houses. We look into every crevice and corner. And. uh, and I know I didn't get all the leaven. Uh, When I'm in my study. I I go and. And. I'll eat crackers or bread and stuff like that and it falls to my feet and sometimes it goes underneath the cabinet. I know it's under there. And so I, I took this long bird feather. Uh, uh, it's probably one of those birds that you see at the, at a pond but it was long and slender and I went under it and all sorts of leaven came out from under it. And I only went as far as the... Uh, The feather would reach which is probably about a foot long but I got the leaven out and when I did I saw all of those breadcrumbs and I saw the you know the little dust bunnies as they call it and things like that and so I know that I can't get rid of all the leaven and I have to depend on my Lord and Savior to forgive me of some of the sins that I don't see in my own personal life. So the law of sin. It's an active force. And we have to overcome evil. Each time that we are tempted to sin. And do. Or do what we know is wrong. There are a lot of things that. In our life that. We are to avoid. Sometimes we. Get angry. Sometimes we want vengeance. Sometimes we want to talk about somebody else things of that sort and we may get into maybe an argument or or some kind of uh, uh, debate and then it builds and it builds and we start to feel that carnal nature coming upon us and the advice of the Bible says a soft answer turns away wrath. So when we say or do something that is out of Christian character we know it right off Romans 12 verse 21. Don't let evil get the upper hand. Overcome it by doing good. And whatsoever things are pure. Think think on those things. Because as a man thinks. So is he. And the admonition to do unto others. As you would have them do unto you. Is something that should come to our mind. So don't answer back in anger. Or words that will be said. That will hurt. And not solve anything. We want to be willing servants, but the old nature wants us to do what's wrong. So we know that our human nature pulls us in the wrong direction, in a selfish direction. So Jesus is our righteousness. In him we have forgiveness, and we can boldly come to the Father to hear our prayers for deliverance and help and forgiveness. Sometimes I wonder, well, as I'm praying there, with so many billions of people. Who might, who might be praying at the same time. I am. How does God sort through it all. Does he Is there an angel that is listening. That he will take that message. To uh, send an answer. Nevertheless. We put our faith in prayer. And that is what we do. So whatsoever we ask in prayer. Believe. The answer will come. But have patience. Trust in God as we heard pray for one another it says that we may be healed and as Paul said I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me remember that the Holy Spirit is a gift that we receive upon repentance and baptism and through the laying on of hands it's that power from on high that we will be reminded of a few weeks from now It's what keeps us on track. And understanding what these days of unleavened bread mean. In casting out of sin. And of overcoming sin. Romans 8. Verse 16. The spirit itself bears witness with our spirit. That we are the children of God. We're the children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God, and joint heirs with Christ. If so be that we suffer with him, that we may be also glorified together. For I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. For the earnest expectation of the creature waits for the manifestation of the sons of God. For the creature... that's that's like us was made subject to vanity I used to have vanity when I looked in my mirror when I was younger but it's a little different now we were made subject to vanity not willing but by reason of him who has subjected the same in hope Because the creature itself also shall be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of, or as the children of God. For we know that the whole creation groans and travails in pain together until now. And not only they, but ourselves also, which have the first fruits of the Spirit. We have the first fruits of the Spirit. Even we ourselves groan within ourselves, waiting for the adoption to wit. The redemption of our body. You know we would like to change the world. The situation. The things that exist around us. We look to men. But we know that's not going to. The strong arm of man is not going to save us. It's going to be. The Lord eternal. But it's Satan who has deceived the world. Deceived the world with his lying. And his corruption. He's the God of this world. He is the corruptive agent that is affecting the lives of people around the world. So that it creates in each and every one of us. Differences. Divisions. Even as the Corinthian church had divisions among themselves. But we know that this being is being used. His attacks make the saints of God stronger. And. It's getting them ready. It's getting us ready for the kingdom of God that is to come and be set up on the earth, for the saints of God shall rule with Jesus Christ. Jeremiah 23, 5 through 6. As you probably realize, I'm using all those minutes that I had left. Kind of like your cell phone, when you got some minutes left, you know. <coughs> but I am thinking about that water I drank. Jeremiah chapter 23 verse 5. It says. Behold the days come says the Lord. That I will raise unto David. A righteous branch. And a king shall reign and prosper. And shall execute judgment. And justice. In the earth. In his days. Judah shall be saved. And Israel shall dwell safely. And this is his name. Whereby he will be called. The Lord our righteousness. So. What do we take with us. As we keep the spirit of the feast. Of unleavened bread. That a little leaven. Leavens the whole bunch. A little leaven. Can leaven. Our entire uh, life. That Christ our Passover is sacrificed for us. That he has done for us something great. That we, pur- that we are to purge out the old leaven. That we may be a new lump. That the spirit of the days of unleavened bread does not really end. And that without God we can do nothing. So it is by his loving grace that we are saved. And without his Holy Spirit dwelling in us we are, we are none of his. have Ephesians chapter 2 written down but we we won't go there. I I think I'll go ahead and close with uh, Acts uh, 24 and a couple of other verses. Neither is there salvation in any other. We're talking about Jesus Christ. There is none other name under heaven given, uh, given among men whereby we must be saved. There's no other authority. John chapter 15 read earlier he said I am the vine you are the branches he that abides in me and I in him the same brings forth much fruit for without me you can do nothing so we must stay in him and we know that the fruits of the spirit as listed in Galatians 5 the Holy Spirit that uh, we will uh, you will probably uh, hear about in the coming days about uh, Pentecost that is to come he is our Passover He is our unleavened bread. He is our bread of life. That we are to to partake of. For he sits at the right hand. Of our father in heaven. He is the Lord. Our righteousness. So we've only just begun. Being confident of this very thing. That he which has begun a good work in you. Will perform it until the day. Of Jesus Christ. Let us then keep on keeping the spirit of the feast of unleavened bread. Casting out sin in our life, in our personal life. As the uh, song goes, again, we've only just begun.